Good morning. The title of the sermon this morning, I suppose I've thought about it several times, but it's called God to the Rescue. God to the Rescue. If you've been rescued by God, you know it. If you need to be uh, rescued by God, you know that too. And God is here to rescue you and to keep us rescued from the enemy. He gives us his word to read his word, to learn how to stand firm on his word and how to come against the powers of the enemy that would try to stop us from being rescued and in a state of rescuing. Now, we've just been thinking about Pentecost Sunday where God sent his Holy Spirit to rescue these early believers. Jesus had gone. He had said what he was going to do, but it hadn't happened yet. And I reckon they were in that room a little bit frightened, wondering what's going to come next. And God sent his Holy Spirit to rescue them, to empower them, to strengthen them, and lead them. And he's done the same for us. The Holy Spirit is here for us. Now, I think it would be true to say that most of us have seasons in our life when circumstances seem to overwhelm us or lead us to a point of despair. Have you ever felt that way? I'm going to raise my hand. If any of you have ever felt that way, we're in good company because we're going to see some people in the Scriptures who have been exactly in the same place. And when we're in this season, what do we do? Where do we look for help? Many times we can look to our hobbies or look to anything. Look at a good film. John and I watched a very good film the other night. It just really was nice to escape sometime for things that are going on. We can look to our friends. You know, Job's friends came to him. And they were wonderful for seven days. All they did was sit there and listen. Be quiet. Didn't say a word. But you know, we can't depend on our friends to do everything because Job's friends messed it up after that. <laughs> um, we can look to our family and sometimes that might be difficult. Or we can look to the Bible. We can look to the Bible for sources of strength. Because the word of God is truth, isn't it? Nothing we read in there is false. And don't let anyone try to add anything to what God has said in his word. Because it's false. The author of Psalm 130 starts out his psalms with the following words. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I'll call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. You know, that could be one of our prayers. In the depths of despair, call out to the Lord. And I'm sure many of us have done that. 
But I wonder how many of us have done what verse 5 says. This is what verse 5 says. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I put my hope in his word. It's very good to state it. Lord, I'm calling out to you. Well, you've got to believe it. Then he's hearing us. And he will come to our rescue. We can't be half-hearted. Do we have a confidence that God hears our prayers and he comes to our rescue? Do we have our hope in his word? What about when the rescue is delayed? Everything's sort of instant today, won't we? We want it now. What about dear old Daniel in Daniel chapter 10? He had to wait 21 days for God to come rescue him and give him some kind of hope. So there are going to be times when we're going to have to wait. And waiting is difficult. But waiting also strengthens our faith because we can't look at anything else. If we belong to God, if we belong to Jesus, if the Holy Spirit lives within us, we've got to believe that he is never going to leave us or forsake us. That's what his word says. And it takes a bit of strength sometimes to stand on those words and that promise. So what I want to do this morning is to look at four situations uh, of despair found in Psalm 107 and one situation in Mark 10. And I hope that these situations and experiences from the Word of God will help us keep on, keeping on, trusting in God in times of despair. So let's start out at looking at Psalm 107. I'm reading from the New Living Bible. I'm going to read the first three verses. I like this. Book five. It's a new book of the Psalms. And I don't know where you are today. Let's have a new chapter in your life today. A new chapter. Take the words of God and be encouraged. Listen how he starts the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak it out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. And I'd like to encourage you on the 13th of this month at 2 o'clock in the Lallet Lounge, we're having an encouragement meeting. And there is a time that if the Lord has redeemed you, if the Lord has done something for you, speak it out. And we'll encourage one another to keep on keeping on. Now, back to the scriptures. So there it was. And you'll find this verse, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever, appears about five times in this song. So let's look at the first group of people. And this is from verse 4. I'm going to read from verse 4 through 9. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and hopeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. 
and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for this great, his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfied the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. You know, there's scriptures that tell us, if you're thirsty, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rivers of living water. That will satisfy your thirst, isn't it? That comes from God. Now, why were these people in the wilderness? Could it be that they'd lost hope and drifted away in a state of confusion, in a state of loneliness because of the adverse circumstances in their life, circumstances that they may have caused or circumstances that they hadn't caused? It's just life caused it. Could it be that they drifted away? We're told that they were hungry, thirsty, and at the point of death. That's pretty much a place of despair, isn't it? And when they became desperate, these wilderness wanderers cried out to God. And God came to their rescue. He wanted to take them forward. He didn't want to leave them where they were, and he didn't want to take them backwards. God wants to take us forward at all times. We shouldn't be dwelling on the things of the past that can bring us down. But there's a big but, and the big but is this. The people had to choose to move forward. And to wholeheartedly let God leave them. Trust God to leave them. No one forces a wilderness wanderer to move forward. Glad I got that out right. I was going to fumble my words. No one is going to force a person who feels like they're in the wilderness to move forward. They have to choose to move forward. And scriptures tells us that God's right hand is always reaching down to rescue us and take us forward, to lead us forward. But we have to take hold of his hand and not let go. And I think before I'd said that it's better if God takes, takes hold of our hand. Because if we take hold of his hand, we can slip out of it. But if he takes care of our hands, if he holds our hands, he's going to hold on to us. He's not going to let us disappear into a state of wilderness wandering again. That is if we choose to do that. If we choose to go forward with him. It's always a choice. You know, even in the times we've been a Christian a long time, I've been a Christian for about 50 plus years, and there have been times in my life where I have had a wilderness wandering experience. And I had to choose to say no to the wilderness wandering and yes to the promises of God's word. Claiming God's word. Bring to mind something I read before. He said it, I believe it, and that settles it. We have to stand on the word of God. Even in times when we don't see immediate answers, there's no other hope, is there? 
You know, I mean, I've been a pharmacist and I've pushed pills for 50 years in hospitals and those pills didn't solve all the problems. You can go to counselors and counselors are good. They have their purpose, but they're not going to solve all the problems. The one sure source of help is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will help us. I've got written here, Jesus has come to our rescue. He does come to our rescue and he will come to our rescue. Isn't that good? He's not going to leave us in a state of wilderness. So let's read the next section. That's for the wilderness wanderers. Verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He led them from darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains, just like Simon was saying, that chain was broken. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down the prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Why were they in this state of darkness? How did they rebel? They rebelled by saying, I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it your way, Lord. I don't want to do it your way. So what happened? The light of God was turned off. He doesn't force us to look at the light. The light's there. But if we say, I don't want to have anything to do with the light, he'll cut it off. And turning away from God's light leads to darkness and gloom. And you know, sometimes it says there that he led them that's why he broke them with hard labor and they fell and no one was there to help. Sometimes if we decide to cut off the light, we'd rather stay in darkness. We don't want to have anything to do with the living God. He's going to say, all right, your choice. But also he's promised never to leave us or forsake us. Sometimes we have to be in that state of darkness before we realize we have got to cry out to God in despair. To God. I said to many of you before, when I was in San Francisco and my wife ran off with another man, I was 3,000 miles from home. I had no family around me. I had no friends. I was desperate. And I cried out to God in my desperation. I had no hope. But the God of hope spoke to me. He called me to walk with him. He didn't force me to walk with him. I chose to walk with him. 
And why did I choose? I was so desperate there was no other choice. The God that I'd heard about in Sunday school and went to church and heard all about, I suddenly had a personal relationship with the living God. Hallelujah. And I didn't know where he was going to take me, but I said, I'll go wherever you want me. Never thought I'd be in England. <laughs> but he took me. And you know, it wasn't instant. I still had my sinful nature. I'll tell some of you this. I may have said it before, but I've got a few more minutes, so I'll say it. When I left San Francisco, going towards the Grand Canyon, my flesh life said, Ooh, wouldn't it be nice if there were a young chick who was hitchhiking? I had a camping van. I could put up and accommodate someone else. <laughs> and my old flesh said, Whoa, wouldn't it be nice? So I got towards Flagstaff, Arizona, pouring down rain. And there I saw this thumb sticking out from underneath this coat. And it looked like some long, blonde hair sticking out behind. And I said, Oh, this is my chance. This is where God had a sense of humor. You know, I looked to him and he said, You're going to follow? I said, Yeah, I'm going to follow you. Okay, so I'm driving. So I pull, pull off the side of the road, get out of the van. Wave to this person. And this person was an old Indian woman. <laughs> and underneath her coat was her little dog. And I immediately thought, where is the next town? <laughs> but God must have spoken to me somehow. Because I said, well, look. Where, her name is Mary. How can I remember that over 50 years? Mary, where are you going? She said, I'm going to Little Rock, Arkansas. I said, my goodness, I'm going to be traveling right through there. You and your dog can sleep in the back, and I'll sleep in the front, and we'll have a pleasant trip together. I had some very good advice from that old woman. But I believe it was God's sense of humor, but also God's protection. Because I'd cried out to him, and he was not going to forsake me. He saw my heart, but he saw my old sinful nature as well. But he rescued me from disaster that could have been. Praise God. Okay, that's darkness. Let's carry on to the next few verses. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food. And they were knocking at death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their troubles. And he saved them from their stress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for his wondrous things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, singing joyfully about God's glorious acts. 
There it is again. Praise God for the glorious acts that he has done. So, these people determined to do life their way. And they rejected God. And according to a footnote in the Amplified Bible, it says this refers to moral failure. These people deserve the trouble that they were suffering. Yet when they cried out to God in their trouble, he saved them from their distresses and healed them and rescued them. Now before we start pointing the finger at these people, we've all sinned and come short of what God wants. But Jesus has come to our rescue. He's come to our rescue. Listen, Isaiah 53 verse 6 in the Old Testament, before Jesus appeared on the scene, this is what God said in his word. It's a powerful word. It says, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wickedness of us, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, to fall on him. Jesus took the penalty of our sin. He came to the rescue for all of us. And it was forecast years before Jesus ever appeared. What a wonderful verse in Scripture. Because we all go astray. If there's a perfect saint here, raise your hand. I want to know how you live a perfect life. Because I don't think we can until we get to glory. But we have the Holy Spirit within us, don't we? The Holy Spirit has come to reside within us to keep us going forward. And when we trip up into sin, he will say, that's not what I want. I had it described once this way, and I thought this was a wonderful way. When we sin, we're over here in a place of sin. God doesn't come over here with a stick and hit us over the head, beat us into subjection. What he does, he comes, he said, look, come to me. You've missed it. I want you to come back into what is real. I'll accept you. Come back to me. I love you. I want to help you to go forward. And I will help you to go forward if you come back to me. He doesn't force us to come back. He doesn't hit us in the stick and say you have to come back. He offers that. Come to me. All you that travel and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Praise God. God for his rest. You know, sometimes when I'm tempted to sin, and God, I mean, you say things on television, sometimes you can watch it and say, well, I wonder if I should be watching this. And I say, Lord, please help me not to fall into this trap. Not to fall into this trap. And you know, he does. It could be that the phone rings. It could be that Joan's calling me to do something. It could be that the cat jumps on me and starts scratching me. 
When I ask him to help me, he helps us. When we ask him to rescue us, he will rescue us. I'm sure all of us has allowed our fleshly desires to be in control at times. In control at times, and you may be in that season today. But there's hope. Repent of your sin, turn to God, and He will rescue us. Sometimes I think what I see on television a lot of times is some of these big meetings with big churches and things. They they say a lot about the love of God and all this but you don't see much about repenting, you know? I think some people are led astray. They get caught up in their emotions of, oh, I'm saved, blah, blah, blah. No, there's got to be repentance. What did Peter tell the people when, they, when he gave this sermon and they said, what shall we do? He says, repent, believe on the God, and be baptized, and you shall be saved. Repentance is essential. Isn't it good that we can? We can repent and be cleaned of our unrighteousness and our sin. Because we read there, he took that on himself on the cross. Never feel like you can't repent to the Lord. If you repent from your heart, I'm not saying just say the words. We can all say the words. We can have someone pray the prayer of repentance and say the word except Jesus without really meaning it. If we really mean it, he does come to our rescue. Okay, let's move on to the fourth one in this chapter. Some went off to sea in ships, plying their trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again into the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were in their wits' ends. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waters. What a blessing it was the stillness as he brought them to safety aboard. Then we get this verse again. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he hath done. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. These people had become overwhelmed with difficulty in their work while they were at work. And perhaps they allowed these difficult circumstances to lead them away from trusting in God. When these seafaring workers were at their wits' end, they cried out to the Lord, and he rescued them. Have you ever been tempted to do that, to drift away? I can remember a few years ago when I was working at Farnborough Hospital, I had two pharmacists there who absolutely tormented me with their complaints. They pulled against me daily for two years, causing me much despair. And I'm sure God allowed it to happen 
because he wanted me to look into his word and receive comfort, receive help. And that's when I looked at Proverbs 16.3, came to my hope, came to my only hope. Commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And the number of times, like a child, I would go to work, get off my motorcycle, get ready to go in the door, just taking my, Lord, I'm just like a little child. But you said in your word that if I commit my works to the Lord, my thoughts shall be established. So I'm trusting your word. And somehow, day after day after day for about two years, I got through it until God opened another door for me. Now, let's look at another example, but this time in the New Testament. If we can mark chapter 10. This is one that you've probably read the story many times before. But I'm going to read it again about blind Bartimaeus. There's a real message for us here, folks. It says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left the town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Son of Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Amazing how they changed. Cheer up, they said. One moment they're telling him off. Now he said, cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you heal. Instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Now I want you to put yourself in his place. Picture yourself. Here he is blind, sitting along by the roadside in a state of despair. No one sitting with him. He didn't have one of Job's comforters with him. He was on his own. And the crowd told him to be quiet when he cried out to Jesus for help. They thought, Jesus is too busy to pay attention to you. You're just a lowly beggar. He doesn't want to have anything to do with you. But he persisted. He would not give up asking Jesus to come to his rescue. But this is a very important stage next that God really showed me. When he read there that he threw aside his coat. The thing that kept him from moving up to Jesus was his coat, his cloak. It could have been a cloak of unworthiness. 
It could have been a cloak of sadness. It could have been a cloak of feeling unwanted. It could have been a cloak of feeling not valued or important. Are any of us wearing a cloak that needs to be taken off? Got to take it off, folks. If Jesus is calling us, we've got to get up and go to him. And we've got to take off these things that would hold us back from coming to Jesus. So Bartimaeus answered the call to Jesus to come to him. And he regained his sight. He could now see that he was valued by Jesus. He started out a new life, a life with Jesus, the source of light. He was no longer in darkness, he could see. If you look in different translations of this, this passage, and that says, he, he said, I want to see. Some of the other translations, he says, I want to regain my sight. And God spoke to me once about that. Had this man been a follower of Jesus? Had he drifted away and went into darkness? He was blinded by his unbelief. But when he was there sitting on the road, could it, I'm just making this up because it says he regained his sight. So I'm just saying, God spoke to me. He may have been sitting there thinking, oh, if I only had another chance, I would follow him. This man was in a desperate state. That's why he kept calling out to God. I want to regain my sight. I want to go forward with what you have to offer. And he went forward, didn't he? He received his sight. And he got up and followed Jesus. Can you imagine what his testimony would be this morning if he was standing here? It would be wonderful. We would love to hear what he had to say. So, in closing, I just want to ask a few questions. First of all, are you in a state of darkness this morning? Only you know where you are. You can put on a smiling face, but you know where you are inside. Are you fed up with where you are in life today? Are you desperate for something better? Don't despair, my friends. You don't have to stay where you are. Come to Jesus. He loves you with an everlasting love. Like Bartimaeus, call on the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13 tells us, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued if we call on the name of the Lord. This is why, folks, I think it's so important when you're in a point of despair to get a hold of God's Word. Scripture gives us a wonderful lifeline back to life. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
So this morning, folks, let's learn from the examples we've looked at today. God wants all of us, you and me, go forward with him. And he will guide us and encourage us and comfort us and empower us by his Holy Spirit to do what he wants us to do. He's got a purpose and a plan for us to still be here. Otherwise, he would take us to heaven. We are his body. We are to reflect his light. Jesus says that we are the light of the world. And we shouldn't hide it under a bushel. We shouldn't hide it when we go out of here. We can show that, oh, we're in the light. went to church today. What about when we go out? Do we put the light out or we do let it shine? My goodness me, folks. We have got a source of light that this world cannot extinguish. And you may feel like you're, you, you're, you're just about to go out. But there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that he blows the wick. The wick will come back to life again. His Holy Spirit will blow. Because his Holy Spirit has a very important role in our life. And he wants to take us forward. And it's God's desire to take us forward. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Why anyone would choose not to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I do not know. I'm so glad I did 54 years ago. And I'll tell you one thing. I've been up and down in my experience, but he's never left me or forsaken me. He's picked me up. And when I get a chance to tell people about it, I do. And I'm so encouraged that I'm an American by birth. And so when I go out and see people, they see I speak in a funny way. What on earth brought you to this country? And I said, isn't that interesting? I'll tell you how I got to this country. And so I give them my testimony. I was speaking to a woman the other day. She said, oh, I'd like to have that. I'd like that. Well, I said, you can have it. You can believe in Jesus just like I did. I'm no better than anybody else. Jesus died for all of us, folks. If you don't believe it's for you this morning, listen to the words that have been said. You may have heard the words, which is different from listening. Listening is listening and taking notice. Jesus is crying out to you, saying, come to me and I will rescue you. Amen. Amen.